Welcome to today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light. Sun, Salt, and Light, S-O-N, knowing and growing in your daily relationship with Jesus Christ, but also being the salt and the light in your marriage, in your family, at your place of work, at your church, and even in the community you're in. I'm Pastor Michael Petit. This is a radio ministry of our church, Calvary Chapel Divine, here in Divine, Texas. We are so glad that you joined us for today's broadcast. We are a Calvary Chapel, so we simply teach the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We believe that God uses His Word to transform, restore, and to change lives one verse at a time. If you're visiting our area, you'd like to get information about our church or church service times, maybe even track down some of the other teachings that we have available through podcasts, whether it's through Audible or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you can do all of that at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. If you have your Bibles ready, today we'll be in the book of John, chapter 11, verses 17 through 27, as we take a break from our verse-by-verse study, and we have a topical study entitled, And Whoever Lives and Believes in Me Shall Never Die. Do you believe this? This is the second half and conclusion of this two-part study. Divorce, watched my mom and dad divorce when I was seven years old. She married a drug addict who was physically abusive. My father, who was verbally abusive when he was drunk, would love to be on my stepmom. And I said, you know what? I'll never be like them. By 17, I was married and I was within by 18, I was just like them. I was verbally abusive to my wife and my kids. Struggling, struggling. 22 years of marriage, and my wife says, I'm done. I'm out. I'm not doing this no more. She left me with all five kids. And thank God she did, because if she would have left and taken the kids, I would have been gone. And then so she started going to church. And so you know what men do, right? Well, I'll go to church. I'll smooth things over. Right? That's what we do as men, just FYI. So I went. Did that for a little bit. She came back home, home for Christmas, home for New Year's. January 3rd, I broke her laptop, threw it out the door, and off she went again. And nobody to blame but me. And you know what I realized in that moment? I have no belief. I have no idea where I'm going when I die. I have no idea what's going to happen to my life because everything that I tried as man to try to fix every problem, I couldn't fix anymore. I ran out of options. And I'd be sitting in church and I'd hear and they'd be like, you got to make a decision. And I'm like, I don't want to make a decision. I'd sit in the very back of the church. As soon as church was over, I was gone. Out the door I went. This demands a statement. It demands an answer from you. Same way it did for me when I was sitting in service. Ended up giving my life to Christ watching a goofy movie called The Fireproof. Somebody told me, hey, you got to watch this movie, Fireproof. It's got Kirk Cameron in it. I was like, I know that. That guy from Growing Pains, I remember watching him when I was a kid. So I watched it, and I realized I was Caleb. I looked good on the outside, not physically. I mean, I get it. I, I mean, I understand it, right? I got a mirror. I, I get it. But I looked, I looked the part. I was an Army combat veteran, highly decorated. My wife's, oh, they all thought I walked on water as a husband. They never knew what happened behind closed doors. I was a hypocrite. I was. January 11, 2009, I gave my life to Jesus Christ and never looked back. I just remember the pastor saying, you got to say something. You got to confess your sins. You got to ask Christ into your heart. And there I was 
on the floor crying, like trying to confess every sin from, <laughs> from age five. And I'm, I'm Lord's probably like, come on, stop. I, you know, you're justified. You're, you're, you're just as if you not sinned because you're mine now. But we get this statement, and it's very important to understand that when we get this statement from Jesus, it's doctrinally securing the, that there is life after death, but he's going to talk about the two definitions of biblical death in this. And one of them is, is when you breathe your last. In Genesis chapter 25, verse 8, it says, And Abraham breathed his last. We also know when Jesus was on the cross in Mark 15, 37, it says, And Jesus cried out with a loud voice and breathed his last. To breathe your last means that your brain stops functioning. You're not receiving oxygen anymore. We would call this being clinically dead. Now, for a follower of Christ, this is very important to get. Tony breathed his last here on this earth, but he was never separated from a holy God. He was never separated from God because he was spiritually alive in Christ. So he didn't die the second death. The second death is when you are separated from a holy God. You know, you'll hear Christians say, you need to come to know faith. You need to come. Let me tell you something. Okay? It's very important that you get this. The reason why it's not heaven. Heaven's great as bonus. It's like, hey, man, we get to worship God. All right. Awesome. Right? And some of you are like, I don't know, man. Is this church all the time? I'll probably be cleaning Tony's pool. I keep telling him that. I was like, I know I'm going to be cleaning Tony's pool up there because he, he was a man of God. The thing is, though, is that it's, it's understanding that your sin keeps you separated from a holy God. And because of that, you're spiritually dead. And it would be no different of calling you the walking dead. I was that for 39 years. So I'm not trying to throw something out there that you wouldn't understand. I did that for 39 years. We know this in, in Ephesians chapter 2. It says, And who were dead in their trespasses and sins, in which once uh, you once walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who knows the works and the sons of disobedience, among whom also we, we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. You're an enemy to God if you haven't chosen to follow him. I was that. When I read this verse, oh, I was dead in my trespasses and sins. What it means to be dead in your trespasses and sins. Trespasses means in the Greek that you, whatever you do, you can't reach the goal. I'm going to stop looking at pornography. You can't stop. You can't reach the goal. You're doing it in your own will. I'm going to stop drinking. You do it for six months. People do that for Lent all the time, right? I'm going to stop. And as soon as Lent's over, they're lit and tore up that night. Because you'll never reach your goal. You can run a marathon every time. And you'll fall short of the goal every time. Sin means that you miss the mark. I don't know how many of y'all were in Texas. Everybody shoots guns here. And, and you you got to be a crack shot. I, I've been told that, that Big Kirk back there, his wife is a better shot than him. And I'm finding out that a lot of the women are better shot than men <laughs> in Texas. But the thing is, is, I can give you a million bullets and you'll miss the mark every time. You will not be able to hit the bullseye because of your sin. But the key to that verse is, is that you're following the prince and the power of the air and the spirit 
who now works in the sons of disobedience. So if you're, if you're not following God, you're following Satan. You're following the devil, the enemy. Yeah. But see, that's why he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And so what we're talking about here is you, you're talking about one, the physical death, and then one, the spiritual death. But that's why he says, and whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Yes, our bodies are, are referred to as tents in the scripture, right? They're tents. They're groaning is what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 4. That for we who are in the tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to unclothe, but, uh, but further clothe that mortality that may be swallowed up with life. It were, these bodies that we have are referred to as tents. Now, any dad that's in here that's over the age of 30, you make noises when you get up. Your body groans. And anyone who's over the age of 50, you may pull a muscle trying to get out of bed. Your body's giving out on you. It's giving out on you. You turn over, you get a cramp. Something's not right. Right? But as we get older, the body gives way. And so when Jesus says this statement, it's a radical statement because he's, he's saying, like, even in that verse, if you read it a little bit further down, it talks about to be absent from the body is to be what? Present with the Lord. And so when he says, and whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. So that's an important statement. But the key to that statement is if Lazarus doesn't come out of the tomb, then Jesus is just probably a good teacher. But do you understand there were eyewitnesses that saw Lazarus come out of the tomb? And why does he say Lazarus come forth? Because if he doesn't say Lazarus, everybody in every tomb comes out. And can you imagine the intense, like, Hey, is he coming out? Did he just say Lazarus been dead for four days? You know how funky that guy is? He just told him to come out. And he comes out. And so Jesus, now we have eyewitnesses, not only that have seen this, but they want to kill Lazarus now. The Sanhedrin and the Pharisees. Oh, we can't have this. So they want to kill him. And so Jesus proves the statement when he says, Lazarus come out. And then God proves it when Jesus is on the cross and he's resurrected. There is life after death. And these bodies will give out on you. Whether it's through age or accident or illness or disease, your body will give up. But the question is, is what happens to your spirit? We get a new body. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 21, Who will transform our lowly body that it might be conformed to his glorious body? Tony now has a glorious body because he was never separated from God. Like, I'm going to see my brother again. Oh, and we're going to talk because we have eternity now to talk. You have the security of knowing that I'm going to see that person again. Can you imagine that? What if your wife has given her heart to Christ and you have it? Are you okay with going to hell and her going to heaven? Do you believe this? Because I don't know about you, but I want a new body. Because this one's busted. I got an autoimmune disease. I have a, a, something called porphyria on top of it. I've been sick since I was 28 years old. I'm ready for a new one. But you've got to ask yourself, am I, am I spiritually dead? Am I living for the flesh? Am I living for the world? Or am I living for God? 
In Romans chapter five verses, uh, Romans chapter eight verses five and eight, it says, "For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set the things on the spirit. For to be carnally minded, minded is death. So if you're focused on living for this world, is death. But to be spiritual minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is an enmity against God." You're at war with God. See, this is what Tony would have wanted you to hear. The gospel. This is what he was trying to get to you is the gospel. That's what we live for. Because he says, look, if you're not living for God, you're at enmity with God. How do you think that's going to work out? Because it tells me I have life and I have peace. I don't know what you got. And I can tell you in this world, we don't have that right now. But you're living for the things of the flesh. In 1 John chapter 2, verses 16 through 17, it says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And I can tell you, I have chased every one of those for 39 years. When we talk about the lust of the flesh, we're talking about the pursuit of pleasure. Oh, we have a, a world that is pursuing pleasure. Right? We see it. The pride of life, materialism. Oh, if I could just get another one. Maybe I get that new phone. I need that new house. I need that. You know, if we move from California to Texas, we can get a bigger house. Right? I can get like a six, six room for what we pay in California. I can get an acre of land. Right? But we're always thinking in materialism. And guess what? Us Christians struggle with that too. So just FYI. And then you have humanism, which is the, the pride of life. Lust of the eyes is materialism, and the pride of life is human, humanism. Oh, do we have pride of life? I'm allowed to be who I am, when I want to be, what I want to be. I define what my life is. Man, you do that with my father, my father would have smacked you in the back of the head, man. My grandfather would have did that. You want to do what? But this is what it is. We see humanism that's taking control because what, they, what we see now is we see where humanism, they want to be God. I want to be God. I want to define what I want to define. That's pride of life. Let me tell you this. In Revelation chapter 20, verse 6, it says, Blessed is the holy. He is uh, blessed and holy is he who is a part of the first resurrection. Or such, or, or over the such, second death has no power. So you, you don't have to worry about the second death because you belong to God. But they shall be the priests of God in Christ and they shall reign with him for a thousand years. Uh, uh, what happens if you are, you die and then you're spiritually dead? In Revelation chapter 20 verse 10, uh, it says, The devil who deceived, uh, deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. And they were tormented day and night forever and ever. And this is what's going to happen in Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, and from whose face and the heaven fled away, and there was no place found for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. And they, the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it. And the death and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. 
And the death in Hades, then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. The second death, and anyone found not written in the book of life, was cast into the lake of fire. So you understand, you've been told now, that if you're spiritually dead, uh, it says works, right? Can I let you know what your works are? Sin. And not sins. One sin. And you're judged. And can I tell you, everyone in this room committed one sin by the time they were five or six years old, for sure. You lied to your mama. You stole something from the store. All of us did it. I know I did it. By six years old, I was a lying machine. And ain't nobody taught me that. Sin. If your name's not written in the book of life, there is a place called hell. But see, I'm going from the tent to the mansion. I don't know about you. Because that's where Tony went. He went from the tent to the mansion. He left this tent and went to the mansion. In John 14, verses 2 through 3, it says, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may also be. So I ask the question to you, has Jesus prepared a place for you? Are you going from the tent to the mansion? Again, John 11, verse 26 says, And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? You know, we love John 3.16. We see it all the time at sporting events, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting light. But they don't read John 17 and 18. John chapter 3, verse 17 says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's why Jesus came. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he's not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. The only bridge from heaven to earth or from earth to heaven is the cross. It's the work that Jesus did on the cross. Martha finishes up in John 11, verse 27. She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world but have, have, uh, but you, have you answered that question? Do you believe? Do you believe this? Tony believed it. There's a great quote from Billy Graham, but I, I'm going to insert Tony's name in here. It says, Someday you'll read or hear that Tony is dead. Don't you believe a word of it. I shall be more alive than I am now. I will just have changed my address, and I have gone into the presence of God. See, we have to understand the grace of God. We don't do anything to save ourselves. There's, there's nothing you bring to the table. Just FYI. I know we all think we're God's gift to everything, but we're not. Okay? You don't bring anything to the table. It tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8-9, through 9, For by the grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. So you can't earn your way to heaven. And let me tell you, I thought I could do that. I remember 38, 37 years old. Oh, my good will outweigh my bad. But do you understand your bad is so bad that you just go, I just can't keep up with it no more. Right? And some of you think, well, my grandma's up there. She's going to let me in through the side door. Nope. <laughs> Thea and Thea is not going to be up there letting you in to heaven. Okay? Just FYI. That's not happening. I, I, my my great-grandmother was a woman of faith. 
She ain't letting me in. I had to choose to follow Jesus myself, even though she prayed for me. She prayed for all three of her, her grandsons, great-grandsons. She left the world, but that prayer was answered. We have to recognize the need for a Savior. If you're sitting here today and you're going, man, I don't know about this Jesus thing. I'm going to give you one verse that made me really realize I needed to choose Jesus. In John chapter 10, verses uh, 10 and 11, it says, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. Again, another one of the I am statements. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So you can continue to follow the devil who wants to steal, kill, and destroy you. And not only does he want to steal, kill, and destroy you, but your marriage and your family. Or do you want to have a life that's more abundant following Jesus? All we have to do is it comes down to us understanding that we are sinners. And we don't need nobody to tell us that. We understand that. It tells us for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And you may go, but I'm a good person. Romans chapter 3, verse 10, and it's written, There is no one righteous, no, not one. We have to realize that we need eternal life. In Romans chapter 5, verse 8, But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And you go, but Christ died 2,000 years ago, man, and I just gave my life to Christ when I was 39. How did he die for those sins? He died for all sins, all of them, even the ones that we would horrifyly, you know, if you thought about them in the paper or you read about them, you go, how can, you know, Jeffrey Dahmer come to faith? But he came to faith. 2 Corinthians 5.21, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We simply confess our sins in Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins be blotted out, so that the time of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And we just asked for him to come into our heart. Romans chapter 9, verses 9 and 10. It says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Isaiah, come on up. Um, now, normally when we would do an altar call, we give you an opportunity to choose to follow Jesus Christ. We would have you raise your hand and do all that stuff. But because we're, we're here and we're mourning and we're trying to understand everything, and I'm going to give you an opportunity to close your eyes. And if you want to receive Christ, and I, uh, just get this. I want to make sure you get this. Christ does not ask you to wash your feet and then jump in the shower. So if you're here and you go, man, I'm living with my girlfriend. Well, that's sin, yeah. But choose to follow Jesus today. If you go, man, I'm gay. I don't care. Choose to follow Jesus today. You'll become a new creation in Christ. Walk away. You know, just say, hey, you know what? I want to I follow Christ. And ask Christ into your heart. If you go, man, I'm, if you only knew my life, God doesn't ask you to wash your feet and then jump in the shower. He just asks you to jump in. And he'll do the rest. And so if that's you and you want to receive Christ, you can just repeat this prayer after me. Everybody can bow their heads. Don't worry about your neighbor, your husband, your cousin, your whatever. They can't save you. Okay? They cannot save you. This is between you and God. If you have drifted and you just need to come back to God, do it now and just say this prayer. Just repeat after me. God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I deserve the consequences of my sin. 
However, I'm trusting in Jesus Christ as my Savior. Come into my heart. I believe that you died and was resurrected. I trust in Jesus. Be my personal Lord and Savior. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. And let me begin to walk with you. Amen. Amen. If you said that prayer for the first time and you're going, man, I don't know what's next. You know what's next? Open the Bible. Everybody says, I want God to appear to me. I want God to, to show up. You know what? And the Word became flesh. The Logos. What is the Word? Jesus. Open the Bible. You hear from God. Read it every day. If you go, man, Mike, I can't read. You have an app? Turn it on. Listen to it. I don't want to hear it. There's no excuses. Pastors, we know. And we tell y'all this all the time. Y'all need to be in God's Word. You need to be led by God. And you go, well, I don't know what to do, though. Okay, if it tells you to love your neighbor, guess what? You love your neighbor. Well, who's my neighbor? Everybody around you. It gives you an opportunity to apply God's Word in your life. God wants to make you a new creation in Christ. And if you prayed that prayer, He's going to do the work. And you're not spiritually dead. You're spiritually alive. And you will never be separated from God. Even as you take your last breath on this earth, you will be born into heaven in a new body from the tent to the mansion. Well, that concludes today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light Radio. We hope that you enjoyed it. If you'd like to submit a prayer request or get in contact with us or find out service times, you can do all of that at our website, uh, as well as get uh, our podcast at Spotify, Audible, TuneIn Radio. Pretty much wherever you can find a podcast, uh, you, you can just type in Sun, Salt, and Light, and you'll find it. 